a little bit faster than normal. normal. And, and uh, hopefully you'll be, you'll be able to uh, follow, with follow with me on reading, reading that. My name's Tony. I think it's a little bit loud. Do you mind bringing it down a little bit? He just, he just walked out. So if you could bring it down just a little bit. I want you to take your Bibles and open with me, if you would, to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. And I want to look here at uh, verse 38 real quick, verse 38 and 39. Of John chapter 7. I've entitled the message this morning. Are you working your way up? Okay. Testing one, two, testing one, two, test. That's a whole lot better. That's good. <clears throat> John chapter 7, verse number 38 and 39. Uh, we'll read those in. I want to tell you that the message this morning is entitled Holy Ghost Movement. Holy Ghost Movement. Verse 38 says, He, this is the Lord speaking, that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, hath out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. For this spake he of the Holy Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. I know I kind of quoted that scripture this morning, but I wanted to use that scripture to <clears throat> open up the sermon this morning. We want to kind of go through it a little bit quickly. I've got a lot of things to say. Dustin's already warned me that with the shower... Uh, he said, pretty much I could tell by the way he said it, he loves me, but he was saying, Dad, don't hold us way too long. So let's get into the message if we can. Amen? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I've entitled the message, Holy Ghost Movement. And I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 at verse number 1. Paul was speaking and Paul said, Brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ, Yeshua, and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. For my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words, of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, last week or so, I asked some to say with me what we just read in this fifth verse, and I will read it and you repeat it after me. I want to say it just a little different. It's not going to change the Word of God. It's just going to to be read this way. That my faith should not stand in the wisdom 
of men, but in the Holy Ghost, which is the power of God. I like audience participation. I like sometimes to hear things more than one time. I like to share sometimes more than one time. But when the Lord began to move upon me to preach a revival of messages, and I've been preaching for a long, many years, and so I've not preached anything new, but I've kind of tried to stay in central thought, and my central thought is this, get comfortable with the word Holy Ghost, because when Jesus quoted there, and they wrote in the book of John, and mentioned the Holy Spirit, turns right around and says, for the Holy Ghost had not been given as of yet. I just want you to get comfortable with the words Holy Ghost. There's nothing wrong with Holy Spirit. They're both identical. They're both the same. But I feel like with all of the teaching we've been teaching, especially being a Pentecostal church, especially believing in the move of God's Spirit, it does us good to hear things maybe a little different from time to time. Now, I want to say this morning, the Holy Ghost discloses God and His intent For He is God's power in operation. When the Word moves, it is the Holy Ghost in revelation of God and His thoughts. Faith and the practice of faith moves everything upon the Word of God. In fact, everything is the result of the Holy Ghost moving upon God's Word. In creation, God spoke and the Holy Ghost moved. In creation, the Holy Spirit moves. Salvation, cleansing, righteousness, holiness, healing, sanctification, atonement. He moves from the very bosom of God to act upon the Father's thoughts. That is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. I want you to go with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I want to share some scriptures. We're talking about faith. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Ghost. We're talking about the Word of God and the dynamics of the Word of God as it is moved upon by the Holy Spirit. You can read this book from front to back, but if the Holy Ghost does not move upon your heart, it will not disclose to you the desires and the intents of God's Word. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, At verse number 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place, which he should afterwards receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. For by faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, tents, with Isaac and Jacob, and the heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, and here's my thought today. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Isn't that good? The Bible says of Abraham, when God called Abraham to come out into the land of Canaan, the Bible says, into the land of Canaan he came. Faith cannot be faith without obedient action. Faith cannot be faith without the move of the Holy Ghost upon the Word of God. 
Every earthly city in this world in time will come down and it will pass away. But that which God builds is eternal. That's the city that Abraham looked for and he looked for it by faith. Can you just imagine this great man? Can you imagine a little bit of the environment that he lived in in the days of his bringing up and all of the obstacles that was thrown in this great man of faith's way. The devil will do whatever he can to get you to sell out and to go against the word of God. He'll do everything to tell you that you got faith when you don't have any faith at all. He will tell you that God accepts something when God does not accept something that's contrary to his word. I'm telling you something this morning. You need faith. You need faith empowered by the power of the Holy Ghost. And you need to live that power in God's word on a daily basis. <clears throat> I want to take you to Hebrews the 13th chapter just a little farther, <clears throat> a little farther over. And I want to look at the 14th verse. And the writer says in the 14th verse of the 13th chapter of Hebrews, For here, speaking of on this earth, we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. When it says when we seek one to come, it's talking about every true child of God. How do we know that? We know it by faith. As the Holy Ghost moves upon the Word of God. Oftentimes you can find out what something is by explaining something that is not. Now I read this last week and uh, I, I debated about using it again this week. But I feel like it will be good to read it again. A little humorous. You might find a little something in there that you don't necessarily uh, may, may not think you should have said in church. But I believe that we can say it here this morning. Faith cannot be faith without the Holy Ghost. Amen? He is the divine movement upon the Word of God. Now let me mention a few things the Holy Ghost is not. Because oftentimes in a Holy Ghost service, you see some trickery, some false things. And so I just made a little list. I asked anybody last time that I used this, I said, and I don't know if it was last week or week before last, but I asked anybody if they wanted a copy of it and not a soul came up. So I thought, hmm, that tells me two things. I won't talk about both things, but I'll just, I'll just read it to you again. The Holy Ghost is not a divine trick. It's not a divine trick. A lot of people think there's something in there that's so mysterious, it's got to be a little bit of trickery. It's not heavenly magic. It's not that fuzzy feeling. It's not the imagination of the mind. The Holy Ghost is not heaven's clown. It's not the conscience. For he is not Jewish, Hebrew, or Gentile. He's not a salesman. And he's not a closer. He's not a TV religious tool. He's not an evangelist puppet he's not the preacher's fool he's not a gift giver he's not a prosperity preacher's wealth machine and he definitely is not santa the gift giver the designer of all goodism 
the one who decides who's been naughty and who's been nice. You must be good, but if you ain't good, you, re- you receive anyway. Everybody receives. Everybody is loved. I require, I require you must be good, but what the heck? I changed my mind, and I changed the rules. I'm Santa, the gift giver. I appear all over the world, any place, any time, simultaneously, instantly I appear. I traditionally manifest as a white, fat male with a white beard dressed in red and white fur. But being all-inclusive, I appear also as a black male in red and white fur. Also, in these last days, I do manifest as a genuine Santa on the outside. But inside, I could be a cross-dresser. I could be a transgender. I could be gay. I could be lesbian. In fact, a dyke lesbian. I hang out at all the malls and the shops and anywhere to help the folks. I require a transgender toilet because I don't want to offend anyone nor even target, not even target. I'm there to make dreams and wishes all come true. When the little girls and boys crawl up on my lap to tell me what they want, they get what they want and so do I. That warm feeling up my legs. You know that feeling, don't you? Well, enough in this session of thought on a few differences between me and the one you call the Holy Ghost. He has his hands full with the church folks, and so do I. See you next year on Jesus' birthday. P.S. We are known by our fruits, and as you may know, I am the fruit of choice all over the world. There's just a few little thoughts about what the Holy Ghost is not. Most people, number one, don't care what the Holy Ghost is all about. And those that do, there's some in that group that misuse the Holy Ghost. And there's some that's only looking for the gifts. But again, the Holy Ghost is not Santa. He is not a gift giver so that you can use the, the, the gifts for yourself. For here have we no continuing city. If the cities were to continue and, and those that do continue until the Lord comes back, they will not become uh, more pure and more holy They will get worse and they'll get worse. That's according to the Bible. But we seek, we seek a heavenly city, one that will come and we seek it by faith. I want to go to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. And I want to look in the last book of the Bible. It's the book of last things, last things. John is speaking here, and John was known as the revelator because he saw these things in vision. Revelation chapter 21 at verse number 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, in fact, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. For he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. For God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Isn't that good? And there shall be no more death sound. Neither sorrow, no crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Are you looking for new things that are from above? New things that are heavenly. New things that are not traditionally so traditionally and traditionally worn out that they begin to be worse and worse. He said, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God. And he shall be my son. When we talk about the Holy Ghost, we're talking about the waters that Jesus said would flow out of the believer's belly. And they would flow out as rivers. Not just a river, but rivers. When we see this, he said, and if you're a thirst, he said, there is a fountain of water of life you can partake of freely. No doubt one day it will appear, New Jerusalem, the same city that Abraham looked for, the one which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Go with me to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Just reading some scripture. Some of that I read you a while ago wasn't scripture, but it's true. You know it's true. What I said, uh, there's people today that they don't know God. They don't want to know God. They don't want to feel God. They don't want God to govern their life. They don't want the intrusiveness of a God who's concerned about living a right life, who is separated from the world and the world's ways. They don't want that. But Abraham wanted that. Amen? Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker was the Lord. I want to look in verse number 25 about the middle portion of that scripture to the last. It says, Jerusalem, which now is, is in bondage with her children. That's this earthly place called Jerusalem, or Jerusalem is wherever you might take up your abode. That's Jerusalem. But he said it's in bondage with her children. Verse 26, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free. But I'm going to tell you something. There ain't nothing in this world greater than a man's freedom. I mean, to be a free thinker, bless God. You don't have to have someone else chew the Word of God for you. You don't have to have someone else do those kind of things and get the joy that's in the Word of God. You don't have to have them do that for you when you can do it for yourself. Man, this is, this is the Word of God. He's speaking to our hearts this morning. Most people today don't know the move of the Holy Ghost, wouldn't know it, and only condemn it if they see it manifest. We're living in the end time. I'm telling you, Jesus said it's expedient that I go away. If I go not away, the comforter will not come, bless God. And brother, he sent the Holy Spirit. And he sent the works of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all of the truth of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, 
the words that I speak. He will, he will make real, make alive unto you. Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. You see, when we were born again, we were birthed into New Jerusalem by the Holy Spirit. Amen? I want to go back to Hebrews, this time the 12th chapter. Hebrews chapter 12. I want to pick up at verse number 22. The Bible says in verse 22 of Hebrews 12, For ye are come, the believer, he that's born of the Spirit, and of the water, bless God, you are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God. This is that place that Abraham was looking for. The heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. And you've come to God, the judge of all. Verse 24. And you've come to Jesus, Yeshua, the mediator of the new covenant. He said in verse 25, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. The word speak implies words, amen? It's an oration, it's a word. And that word we know is moved upon by the power of the Holy Ghost. And it says, whose voice then shook the earth. Speaking about the Lord when he came down upon the mount. But now he hath prophesied, saying, Yet once more I shake the heavens, I, I shake the earth. Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. How's it being shook? It's being shook by the word. When the believer uses the word of God and speaks the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is upon that word. It moves upon the Word of God. It doesn't move because some prophet or preacher or evangelist or, or whoever it might be. It doesn't move because they just commanded it to move. It moves upon the Word of God and will not move upon anything but the Word of God. That's powerful. The Bible says He gives the Holy Ghost to them that obey Him. And sometimes we say, well, wait a minute, Lord, I, I know it's not just Certain people that, you know, have been so obedient, they guide it because there's people that got the Holy Ghost, you know, that uh, they were believers in their heart, living up to all the light they knew. I, I'm not going to argue about that because it's true. But as you begin to walk in obedience, the Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you into truth that you would have never been able to have got there otherwise. You don't need some preacher to teach you. All we're doing here this morning is trying to get ourselves fired up in the Word of God and to worship the Lord on the day which the Lord hath made. And the Bible said we've come to New Jerusalem. We've come to Canaan land. We've come to heavenly Canaan. We've come to that city of the living God, bless the Lord. We've come to the general assembly. We've come to the church of the verse firstborn. Somebody says, how do we do that? Will we do it through the Spirit? How often do we go there? Just on the Sabbath? No, you can go there and abide there as often as you will. Amen? Amen. When Abraham come out of the land God called him out of, the Bible said that Lot, his nephew, came out with him. 
Well, finally, when tensions began to build and uh, the company of Abraham, which was a great uh, number, and the company with Lot, which was a great number, there began to be some divisions among them. Lots of women in that group. I mean, there were lots of folks in that group. And there was some, some problems coming up. Huh? <laughs> How long have we been married? <laughs> I sure do love you. Just getting a point across. When I read the little thing a while ago about Santa versus the Holy Spirit, just getting a little point across. Somebody says, well, that sure got my attention. Well, it might have been a little bit over the top, but it ain't nothing you don't see on your television every day of your life. There ain't a television show you can watch hardly anymore that's in the top five or ten that ain't got either a transgender or either got a lesbian or a gay or something along that line. That's a diverse lifestyle. I'm not saying they can't be saved. I'm not saying they can't be saved and get the Holy Ghost. But, brother, it's only the Holy Ghost that's going to change their life. Somebody said, well, brother, you think you're right? I know I'm right concerning that. I mean, it brought the downfall of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says it rained down upon them brimstone. The brimstone can still be found laying on the ground today. There's no city been built there and will not ever be built there again. But when Abraham and Lot, the divisions came up in their, their households and among them, they figured they better separate. And the Lord told Lot, just choose what land you want. And Lot looked out with his natural eyes. He saw as the natural man could see, and he saw this magnificent plain and all of this water flowing throughout that plain. The vegetation was magnificent. And he chose the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible said as long as he stayed there, he had his righteous soul vexed daily, bless God. You think it's not a vexation today? I'm telling you, if you don't turn it off, you say, well, I like a couple of those folks in that show. They're real good and funny. But I'm telling you something. Let me tell you right now, those things ought not to be before the eyes of the saved and the redeemed, bless God. Or the little children. Yeah, I've got this one show on there and these two guys got this... Got this little, adopted this little child, raising this little child. You see it every day. But what I'm talking about is this. Abraham saw, yeah, he wasn't a fool. He saw the land of Sodom. Did he know that it was going to become as vile as it was? No, I'm not saying he knew that at all. But I know one thing. That city was not with foundations. And those cities were not made by God. Abraham knew that much. He knew by faith he could say, well, I'll pass this one up and I'll just keep abiding in these tents. I'll keep taking God at his word. And eventually God said, God called him the father of the faithful. Bless God. Hallelujah. Isn't that good this morning? Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost shakes things up and he shakes things into action. As I said, he reveals God's mind, God's thoughts for the time. So Abraham kept looking. Can I tell you this this morning? No man can come to the promises of God without first coming to the mountain of God's presence. Where was the mountain of God's presence? 
It was there on Mount Sinai when he came down to give his holy commandments and his word to the people. That is the time that the earth shook. And he said, I'll not only shake the earth, he said, I'll also shake the heavens. He said, for this word yet once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. That's pretty good. I want to go, if you would, to let's see, Hebrews chapter 12. I got two more places to go. Dustin Dunn put me on a time frame. And... Uh, I know. I tell you what. I don't keep his time down when I pay him his weekly check. I say, how much do I owe you? He says, you owe me this much. I said, I can't owe you that much. He said, yeah, but you still owe me some for last week. And I say, no, I don't owe you nothing for last week. Well, you borrowed some. I say, well, I, yeah, I did borrow some. But, you know, if you want, if you want to uh, not be in conflict over anything like that, Write down things for yourself. Amen. I have nobody to blame. I trust him with all of my heart. But his math and mine don't always coincide. I'm telling you, I'm a pulper and a, a, a poor man today because of Dustin. I really am. Connie is shaking her head. She's just shaking her head because she knows it's real. But, but which one of my kids is in church? Who's preaching and teaching and talking and singing about the things of God that his father does. That doesn't mean I don't love my other children. Doesn't mean they're not Christians. Doesn't mean they don't study their Bible and pray. Because I don't know of anybody who's got more faith than Alicia. I mean, she is that kind of a girl. She lives that kind of a life. You talk about not setting anything uh, ungodly before her eyes. That's Alicia. That's her husband. That's the way they raised her children. I try to get my grandchildren. I try to get all of their children. I tell you what, just my grandchildren, my, my, my great-grandchildren and, and uh, my household, if they would all just, you know, come and be like everybody else is, most everybody's coming and being, and be a real participant. I don't mean just a bench warmer. I'm talking about a real participant, reaching out, winning souls, these kind of things. Well, you would just see uh, uh, just not only more in attendance, but you'd see a variety of more talents and stuff. So, I mean, there's everybody out here. We've got talents, but let me tell you something. Even talents in the Lord, if we continue to go down the wrong road, if we continue to taste and dwell in the wrong thing, it won't be long until absolutely you begin to lose what you've been given. Amen. You can't hold on to this world and that world simultaneously. That's right. That's right. Okay, so I want to go to Genesis chapter 10. Real quick, Genesis chapter 10. In the book of Genesis, this is the place that Abraham grew up. He grew up as a descendant of Noah. And in fact, if we would read on through here a lot of verses we would find that after the flood waters came that the generations that proceeded from there were descendants of Noah and I'll just read chapter 10 verse number 1 these are the generations of the sons of Noah they began to multiply and unto them were sons born after the flood now 
in verse 8, this is interesting. In verse number 8, the Bible says, And Cush begat Nimrod. And he began to be a mighty one in the earth. Verse number 10. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Kalnea, in the lands of Shinar. This is where Abraham grew up. This is where Abraham's family was. With just a little study, it's clear that Noah's descendants were in open rebellion against God. When I see these so-called marchers and these so-called protesters not only saying the things they say, they're some of the most vulgar things that I've, I mean, I mean, absolutely vulgar. When I see the kind of women, women, most of you women, women today, you women today, you would say they don't represent my thoughts. I'm not talking about who won or who lost the presidency. This was shameful that these women would be found in the streets marching with people like Madonna and uh, so many of these others saying so many vile things, not only about the president, but saying things where a lot of mothers took to the streets with their children by their side, thinking this was going to be something that they could be a part of. How can you be a part of something if the platform of that something is so anti-God? The Bible says that in the beginning of his kingdom, speaking of Nimrod, the beginning of his kingdom, his kingdom was Babylon. And it got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse. Here we find them beginning to build this tower. These are Noah's descendants. Open rebellion against God. Well, in fact, if you thought about it, how could they trust God? God, didn't he destroy the whole world? Yes, he did. Was it God that brought the flood? Yes, it was. But always remember that God allows man to choose his own destiny. When God moved in judgment against worldwide wickedness, mankind could follow God or he could deal with life after that God had withdrawn his presence. And I've said so many times, the flood came because of what? Well, we know the things that happened in sin and all of these kind of things. But when you think about the flood and what happened at the flood, how total chaos really was, was creation in reverse. I mean, it was creation in reverse. And when you think about it, you say, how could that possibly have happened? Well, some don't believe it did happen. But for those that believe it did happen, how could that possibly happen? There's one way that happened. God shut the door upon humanity in the ark, and God withdrawed his presence. And when God withdraws his presence, things fall apart. They come apart. When God spoke the worlds into existence, the Bible said, from the intent of his heart, the mind of God Almighty, he spoke the worlds into existence, and the Holy Ghost moved. He's been moving since the very beginning of man's history. And he will move until the end of time. Sometimes speaking judgment and sometimes getting vengeance. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 11. 
The whole earth was of one language and of one speech. It came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. This is where Lot's, where Noah's descendants were. This is where uh, Abraham grew up. And they said unto one another, Let us make bricks, burn them thoroughly. And, and they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city. Let us build us a tower whose top may reach into heaven and let us make us. Well, there's a lot of that in there, isn't there? And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. And verse 5 says, The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which men, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. Now, Nimrod's city, which was Babylon, became a city where Nimrod was worshipped. He was actually the reincarnate, believed to be the reincarnate Tammuz, the sun god. It was the land of Ishtar, his mother, the queen of heaven. No wonder God would say to Abraham, Abraham, i got a place called Canaan. I got a city, whoo, this is good. I got a city which hath foundations. In other words, it's been built upon the rock, bless God. And the maker of it is the Lord. Abraham, I'll show you that city. Your spirit will see that city. But it won't be the city of Nimrod and Tammuz, the sun god, or Ishtar the queen of heaven. There's another note on Nimrod I want to present to you this morning. The Encyclopedia Judaica says Nimrod was the first to eat meat. The first to eat meat. Now, I don't know about that. But he was also the first to make war on other people. It's also said of this that he wore the original animal skins that Adam and Eve wore after the fall. He wore. That's in a Jewish encyclopedia about Nimrod. Can you imagine that? He put on the original animal skins. Now, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But just think about it for a moment. He puts on the original sacrificial covering of skin, animal Skins that, Abra- that Adam had and that Eve had. I want to present this to you whether this is true or not. It don't make any difference, but you can say Brother Lee said it. He might have been the first transgender. Why do I say that? Because they said he wore the original skins that Adam wore and he wore the original skins that Eve wore. Don't base anything on that, but maybe there's a possibility of that. Whether it's a legend, whether it's a fact, I don't know. But after the flood, there was a decline in serving God almost within every soul of man. 
for some reason or another, they had become so advanced in technology, yes, I said technology, that it made their rebellion very threatening. Why, could they ever build a building tall enough to touch God where God abides in the third heaven? No. Was there a possibility that they could sway almost the entirety of mankind? It happened before. It happened in Noah's day. There was only Noah who was found righteous. And so therefore, the Lord brought Noah and his family, which was eight souls, into the ark. Could Nimrod do the same thing again? Well, God wasn't concerned that somehow they're going to reach heaven and take over heaven. But I can tell you something, that they were astronomists. They were mathematicians. You go back in history and you look at some of the things that's been done by people that didn't have the tools that we had. I mean, they can't be redone today. They claim that mankind couldn't even build the Ark of the Covenant exactly as it was built back in those days. Solomon's Temple. The whole thing made of cedars and rough wood. And then obviously must have been sanded down somehow, rubbed down somehow, because the whole thing was overlaid with pure gold. Goodness gracious. Mankind has been brilliant. And from the very beginning, I believe with all of my heart, he had more capabilities than we even have today in his mind, in his natural mind. I mean, he, they, they, were, they were just, the Bible doesn't record all of that. But I have no reason not to believe that. But in their rebellion, they had to face God's judgment. He confounded their language, and he scattered the people. And then he said to Abraham, come out and cross over. Do you know Abraham had to cross out? He was the first Hebrew. And the word Hebrew literally means cross to cross over. And what he crossed over was the Euphrates River. So there's many rivers we have to cross. And as it was in the days of Joshua, the children of Israel had already crossed the Red Sea with Moses. They come down to almost getting into Canaan land. And here is the Jordan River swollen out of all of its banks. I mean, the devil's going to fight you all the way. He's going to fight you all the way to heavenly Canaan. Does that mean he's going to win? No, it doesn't mean he's going to win. But isn't he going to test you and try you? Sure he is. I'm telling you something. That's the only reason I say to us we need to get as far away from worldliness as possible because of the enticements are so strong to work against us. I want to go to Revelation chapter 1 real quick. Revelation chapter 1. I think, I think I'm on time. I, that, my watch don't work. Uh, it's a Walmart watch that Connie got me real pretty. Got me many years ago. You, you didn't get it at Walmart? You didn't get it at Walmart. Okay. Uh, Target. <laughs> you got it at Target? It had gold and silver on it. There you go. Both ways. <laughs> I don't think it's a Timex, but... I've had it long enough that the batteries had to be replaced quite a few times. And you know who replaces my batteries? Connie. You know who ties my ties? Connie. You know who runs the household? Connie. 
she has been so good. And that alone ought to be a testament that I have no anti-womanism in my heart. I have none whatsoever. Women are the just divine. John said in Revelation chapter 1, real quick, and I want to bring this to a close. Revelation chapter 1, he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, verse 10. And heard behind me a great voice. It was as a trumpet. And it said, I am Alpha and Omega. I am the first and the last. And what thou seest, write it in a book. Send it unto the seven what? Seven what? The seven churches. Listen to this. Send these final words to the seven churches which are in Asia. Verse 12, I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man. Why was he likened to the Son of Man? Because he was the Son of Man. He was clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head, was, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet were like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice was as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went what? A sharp, two-edged sword. You know what the sharp, two-edged sword is? It's a word. And his countenance was as the sun shining in his strength. And when I saw him, John said, I fell at his feet as dead. Couldn't move. Paralyzed. I mean, awestruck. He laid his right hand upon me, and he said unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter, the mystery of the seven stars which thou saw in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. Well, the seven stars, he said, are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou saw are the seven churches. I just want you to notice this as I close. I want you to notice something that is repeated in every address to each one of these churches. Every one. Some things God said was, I mean, he commended them for the things they'd done well. He spoke out about the things that they've done wrong. But these I find to be in every one of the addresses and the letters to the churches. Verse number 7 of Revelation 2 says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Holy Ghost saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the trees, tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. He speaks to another church, and in verse 11, it's repeated, He that hath an ear, let him hear 
what the Holy Ghost saith unto the churches. I look over into verse 17, and I find to the next church, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. And I begin to read that, and I look into every one of the churches, and lo and behold, when he gets even down to the last one, he says the same thing that he said to the first one, and that is this. He that hath an ear, verse 22 of Revelation chapter 23. He that hath an ear, let him what? Let him hear. How does faith come? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Holy Ghost saith unto the churches. And I rest my case. Hey, I actually had a guy say to me one time. And Brother William, I never told you this because I never thought about it until right now. In fact, it was your daddy told me one time. He said, you would make a good lawyer. Yes, he did. You remember when he said that? And I thought, hmm, my land, that's pretty good saying. You'd make a good lawyer. Well, I never become a lawyer uh, in the courtrooms of this old world. But I believe I've become a pretty good lawyer for that world. Huh? Amen. Somebody says, you patting yourself on the back. Well, every now and then, don't hurt. I, I, had, I mean, it has been so long since somebody said to me, Brother Lee, would you sing a song? I had to get up and sing my own songs and do my own thing because, because nobody, nobody says sing a song. Never ever church to say, Brother Lee, Brother Lee you, you preach the rest of message and you sing a good song. Good song. Nobody, does, nobody that. does that. Well, how, well, how would you know they do it or not? Do, I'll put it to you this way. Do you do it? Do you do it? I rest my case. Amen. Dustin, come up. 